G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. With an update on the latest headlines out of Israel and the Middle East, a special welcome back to 2020 to you, Ron Ross. Good morning, sir. Well, Ron, uh, thanks so much for scouring the headlines and being across some of the latest news that's coming out of Israel and the Middle East. Uh, Let's start with a headline that's all about Arab-Israeli parliamentarians and Palestinians uniting to seek to censure Israel at the UN. How does that story unfold? Yeah, the parliamentarians from the joint list have joined forces with the Palestinian Authority to seek United Nations censure of the Jewish state, Israel's ambassador to the UN, Danny Danon, said on Sunday. The Palestinian delegation, in cooperation with Knesset members from the Arab parties, is planning steps aimed at smearing Israel and damaging its image through incitement and lies, he said. He spoke of joint list members of parliament, Ida Tumasloman, who met last week with UN Undersecretary General for Political Affairs, Rosemary DiCarlo, in New York, to seek support for her party's battle against the newly approved Israel nation-state law. The legislation supporters say that it shores up Israel's identity as a Jewish state, while its opponents hold that it is racist and discriminates against the country's minorities. The Palestinian Authority already stated that it is likely to act against Israel at the UN General Assembly. Among the measures it's weighing is a text that would call for Israel's ouster from the UN. It is presumed that the US would block such a move at the UN Security Council, which has final say on the matter. Uh, But it's a dramatic move. A dramatic move, and no doubt uh, there's all sorts of controversy over the US President Donald Trump, who's apparently soon to announce his opposition to the Palestinian right to return. How does that yeah, story he, look? He will announce the US rejection of the Palestinian right of return in the next couple of days. The Palestinians claim refugee status for 5 million people, which includes millions of descendants of the approximately 700,000 original refugees who were living in British Mandatory Palestine, or what is known as the State of Israel, and were displaced during the 1948 War of Independence. These descendants of refugees, supported by the United Nations Relief and Work Agency for Palestine, live in Judea and Samaria, the Gaza Strip, Jordan, Syria and Lebanon. The majority of the original refugees are no longer alive. The UN is unique in its terms of its long-standing commitment to one group of refugees. 
It has contributed to the welfare and human development of four generations of Palestinian refugees defined as persons whose normal place of residence was Palestine during the period 1 June 1946 to the 15th of May 1948 and who lost both home and means of livelihood as a result of the 1948 conflict. And that statement came from a Palestinian website. The Trump administration has challenged the UN's mandate, suggesting that UN funding instead go to the UN responsible for all other refugees. And Ron, it's significant too when we talk about uh, Donald Trump soon to announce his opposition to the Palestinian right to return. I wonder about the connection between the US cutting $200 million in aid to Palestinians. Uh, That's a connected story. Yes, he's already done that. The aid cut is the result of a review of US assistance to the Palestinian Authority to ensure these funds are spent in accordance with U.S. national interests and provide value to the U.S. taxpayer, a spokesman for the U.S. State Department said. Ron, let's talk about Muslims in the Holy Land in Israel. As I understand it, Muslims have now reached near 18% of Israel's population. Another headline. Yeah, it was interesting that uh, the son of Mahmoud Abbas this week came out in favour of a one-state solution. He made the observation that if the Muslims were uh, placid enough to accept Jews and Arabs living side by side, sooner or later the Muslims would outpopulate the Jews. And while Muslims comprised 4.9% of Europe's population in 2016, in 2017 they reached 17.8% of Israel's population with a growth of 2.5%. Israel's Central Bureau of Statistics issued a report on the Israel Muslim community in faction figures. By the end of 2017, the Muslim population in Israel reached 1,562,000, a growth of 38,000 compared with the end of 2016. Jerusalem is home to the largest group of Israeli Muslims, 329,000, 21% of the country's Muslims, and 36.5% of Jerusalem's residents. It's something that the Israeli authorities are watching very carefully. Ron, let's come back to some more controversy here between the Israelis and the Palestinians, and this on a certain different plane where the Palestinian football chief has been banned by FIFA for inciting hatred. It was only a matter of time before uh, world bodies reacted to the rhetoric that comes out of uh, the Arab world. Palestinian Football Association President Jibril Rajoub was fined 20340 US dollars and banned from matches for a year by FIFA's disciplinary committee. Rajoub was found guilty of violating Article 53, which is inciting hatred and violence, the FIFA disciplinary code. The ban began last Friday. 
Israel's culture and sports minister, Mary Regev, lauded the FIFA decision and said FIFA removed the mask from the face of the terrorists. The Argentinian national team, including striker Lionel Messi, was due to play a friendly match against the Israeli national team in Jerusalem last June. The match between Argentina and Israel was eventually cancelled. Following the match's cancellation, Regev claimed the Argentinian team cancelled the match because of personal threats made against their players. She said the truth came out and she said it was not the decision to hold the game in Jerusalem rather than Haifa, where it was originally meant to take place that led to the cancellation. There were threats from within the Palestinian Soccer Federation against Messi and others, and that led to this ban. And one more story to tackle here, Ron, and we know that there are a number of nations throughout the Middle East uh, where Christians are imprisoned, and sometimes simply because they are Christians, but the imprisoned Iranian Christians have been testifying, you cannot take Jesus away from us. What's the story there? Yeah, these two Iranian Christians are pleading with the world to hear the cries of the Iranian people as they recounted their own ordeal of being imprisoned for their faith. In remarks before hundreds gathered at a plenary session at the U.S. State Department for the Ministerial to Advance Religious Freedom, Mariam Rostampur and Mazia Amorizadeh explained how Jesus Christ sustained them and miraculously intervened when they were jailed. The women were born into Muslim families who became Christians as adults. The two friends met in Turkey while studying theology in 2005. The two women were arrested in 2009 by the Iranian regime because of their Christian faith. They spent 259 days in one of the nation's most notorious prisons. They were subjected to daily interrogations and mental torture, and they were said to have committed various offences, including apostasy, blasphemy, and promoting Christianity in Iran, and they were sentenced to execution by hanging. During their ordeal, Iranian officials also routinely threatened their lives and the lives of their families in order to pressure them to recant their faith, but they refused. Since Islam is the only official religion in Iran, government authorities forbid other religious minorities from practicing their faith, the girl said. Men and women who leave Islam for the Christian faith are said to be infidels and dirty. And she said such individuals often face the death penalty and various kinds of torture. Well, they truly do have an amazing story. And Ron Ross, across all those headlines once again, thank you so much for taking some time to share those thoughts with us today on 2020. Thank you, Neil. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.